morning, everybody. This is uh, Alessio Longo, and this is the fifth episode of the first season of my podcast on uh, Tai Chi and Qigong. I'm an Italian uh, Tai Chi and Qigong instructor, so I apologize if uh, my English is of low quality. I'll do my best, but I want to share some uh, insights uh, with my fellow practitioners that can access to the English language con- uh, content. So, in the first four episodes of this podcast, we have talked about the cultural roots of the Chinese practices. We saw that uh, the two practices that we are speaking about, which are Tai Chi and Qigong, have deep roots in the Chinese autochthon thought, which is Taoism. And uh, we also underline as Buddhism helped to shape both this philosophy, Taoism, uh, and the practices linked to uh, Taoism itself. So we saw that uh, since uh, the Buddhism started uh, to influence the Chinese cultural environment uh, from the very beginning of its dynastic history, uh, we cannot really disentangle uh, Buddhism in China, Taoism in China, and the related practices. We have also saw that somebody that is uh, a civil servant, for example, like a Confucian, Confucian in the civil society, like a father uh, and... Uh, an husband, we are unfortunately speaking mainly of male figures, even if not only of male figures, and uh, he may be a Confucian during the day and Taoism uh, in the night, let's say, in his practice. So uh, the two sides didn't, uh, um, didn't, haven't been felt as opposite in the, the ancient Chinese people mind. <laughs> so what I want to talk about today is the concept of qi. Now, the character of qi is... Uh, a character that uh, has uh, itself the radical of rice and uh, the radical of skin. So, if you want, it is like uh, to underline the change of the of rice through the skin in something uh, in something uh, uh, which is more useful to the person, something like a food. Uh, now, it is not very clear, actually, what, at the beginning, this character meant. Why we have, for example, the steam, if it is something related to the bread, for example. Uh, we can only assume which was the original uh, meaning, but we cannot be sure about that. It doesn't matter, actually, because what it is more interesting for us is that, as we saw, at the root of the Chinese thought, there is Confucianism. Confucianism is, uh, became a very conservative philosophy, meaning that you were supposed always to refer to the ancestors, to the ancient masters, and uh, so young people had to refer to the thought and to the work of the old people and never ruin this, uh, uh, their achievement, but only try to do as good as the ancient people did. So, Confucianism became a force that linked China a lot to the past and to the tradition. But of course, if we see at Chinese history, for example, under the scientific development or under the societal development, we clearly see that there has been continuously achievements during the centuries. So that something was never changed, it was only an illusion and the reality was that there were continuous development on the, the Chinese uh, uh, culture, society, and scientific uh, fields. And uh, if, we are, uh, if we listen to the science historian, we know that many uh, European scientific advancements had their roots 
uh, indeed in the uh, Chinese tradition. Anyway, this kind of illusion is the same kind of illusion that we find in the internal martial arts, for example, or in the internal arts like uh, Tai Chi Chuan or Qigong. We seem, we, we are made believe that there is an ancient tradition where everybody already existed, while actually these arts developed through the centuries and kept developing century after century. So as we said in the first episode, actually the Qigong that uh, we practice today is mainly mainly the last century Qigong. The term Qigong is actually a modern term, and the Tai Chi Chuan is uh, for sure the Tai Chi Chuan that we have been practicing in the last century as well. Even if we want to believe there is something very, very much ancient. Of course, the beginning and the root of this tradition are very ancient, but they kept developing. So what I mean is, uh, I am not so much interested in understanding what the terms Qi was used for like 3,000 years ago, but I want to see how this term has been used and developed through the different centuries. So if we pay attention, we can see that we find the term Qi already in the ancient Taoist uh, books, for example, the Tao Te Ching or, or Lao Tzu, which is an ancient uh, Chinese text, dated, uh, very difficult to date this text, but mainly between the 6th and 3rd century uh, before Christ, and also some very ancient uh, Confucian philosopher, something like Manchus, Manzi, which is the second more seminal figure after Confucius in the Confucianist tradition, uh, talked about his qi practices. So Man Manzi is probably one of the first examples that we have of somebody that was both a Confucianist and a Taoist, actually. So, to understand the term qi, I think we can begin to see at the classical medicine theory in China, which refers a lot to the meridian tradition. The meridian tradition tells us that uh, there are energetic pathways in our body and that uh, some of these energetic pathways are linked to the main internal vital organs and that the health of, the, of our body is linked to the health of this energetic system. So we have the kidney energetic pathway or meridian, the lung, the heart, uh, the liver, and so on. I'm sure you all are quite familiar with this theory. So what is interesting, as I said in the previous episodes, is that we refer to something that is not immediately perceivable through the senses, through the direct experience of the senses. We cannot, even, we cannot really open our body and find inside a meridian or something like energy flowing. And we cannot really check it with a machinery, let's say. So this is why I felt obliged to record the first the first episodes of the podcast, uh, to help us to understand that, that ancient people, uh, both in the West and in the East, but after a while, especially in the East, referred in their thought and in their practices uh, to realities that they believe exist, but are not immediately accessible through the senses. And this is the meaning of the internal practices, because they believe that with the internal practices, you can first start to feel and then start to operate with these uh, invisible forces. And the meridian system is one example. You can act on the body directly, like with the needle, and you can operate 
to something that you cannot see, which is this invisible energetic system, and you can get the result on the bodily reality so that the body is more functional. So there is this circle that we do not have to forget. We have an action in the realm of the reality in order to operate to something that we do not see, which is the energetic realm, and these go back to the physical body, changing the physical body reality. This is very important to understand in order to have a clear idea about not only what the Chinese classical medicine is, but also about what the, these correlated practices like Qigong are, actually. So, if we refer to the terms Qi in the meridian system, it is like something that is flowing in these energetic pathways. On the other side, if we refer to the terms Qi in the Qigong practice, we cannot look at this as something so directly related to the meridians, but we believe at it that is something that can more freely flow in our body, because at the end there are thousands of meridians in our body, so all of our body is one meridian, let's say, and this energy can change in nature. It can lift up our body and our emotion, it can settle down, it can be clean, it can be dirty, it can be very sticky, and so on. So, when we practice Qigong, we start to feel our body and to describe the experience that we have while feeling our body using a term like Qi that refers to different realities that we are not really able to describe in a better manner. The term Qi, as I said before in previous episodes, it is not the only term that is used to refer to energetic realities, but it is main, maybe the one in the tradition that encompasses it all. So we also have the term Jin to refer to the essence, the terms Shen to refer to the spirit, or we have the term uh, Sin or Yi to refer to the mind, to the power of mind, or the Mian, uh, which is something like, uh, the, the, let's say, the destiny, if you want, especially related to the point placed at the back of your lorma spine called Min Man the door of the mean, and so on. But all of these are different, if you want, ways of the chi to exist. And even the objects are just a representation of chi, if you want. So the term chi is like this uh, generative tissue that uh, underpins everything, even ourselves. So the term chi is also something that helps us not only to describe what we are, but also the link between us and the rest of the world, and so what also the rest of the world is itself. Uh, in, the, in the ancient Chinese tradition, we didn't have an encyclopedic culture like the one we had in the last three centuries in Europe. So they didn't really meant to uh, describe more precisely what the term qi is, but it is so a term that is used in uh, energetic practice circles to, as a tool of communication between the, the teacher and the, the student, or in medicine between the, uh, like the master and the, the, the pupil, the master doctor and the pupil. And it is used to refer, as I said, to in different realities that are in the body, but that can also, all of them, be linked to one uh, living unity, which is the qi, this vital energy. The term qi, even if it refers also to the objects, 
it is especially linked to the force of life in the Chinese philosophy. So biology, let's say, is probably the most important uh, uh, modern science to describe what these people were interested about. I mean, both, if you think about it, Western and Eastern philo ancient philosophy. At the beginning, they were interested in explaining the, na the nature of life. And this is what we try to do with these practices. So, what we are going to see in the next episode, now that we have understand that it's difficult and it is not necessary to define the term qi is uh, in its uh, uh, specific meaning. It is not, not a synonym of breath, as sometimes I, uh, I see in some website. It is not. It is something that is correlated to breath, uh, but it is not directly the, the breath. Uh, we are going to see in the next episodes uh, how the qigong the work of the qi, of the work with the qi, or the work on the qi, because the Chinese language has these possi different possibilities all at once for this peculiar, peculiar grammar structure. This practice is uh, the tool that we have to feel and then to manipulate these different vital energies or this single vital energy, according to the different point of view, that underpins our existence. And later on, we will see like uh, this uh, practice is at the basis of the Taiji Chuan itself. Thank you for listening to this episode, and uh, I'll be uploading the next episode as soon as I will register them in the next weeks. Mm -hmm.